Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, guys. Buddy C. We have Kate and Marla and Kirsty and Lala and Tina and Paul and Craig today. How is everyone? Doing well? I'm seeing some head shaking with mutes. That's good. All right. Let's get right in to the 72nd chapter. Paul, we'll go ahead and read these, but I know we're going to move on to the Wayne Dyer pretty quick. All right. Uh, chapter 72, first translation. When men lack a sense of awe, there will be disaster. Do not intrude in their homes. Do not harass them at work. If you do not interfere, they will not weary of you. Therefore, the sage knows himself but makes no show, has self-respect but is not arrogant. He lets go of that and chooses this. Second translation, when they lose their sense of awe, people turn to religion. When they no longer trust themselves, they begin to depend upon authority. Therefore, the master steps back so that people won't be confused. He teaches without a teaching so that people will have nothing to learn. Third translation, when people become overly bold, then disaster will soon arrive. Do not meddle with people's livelihoods. If you respect them, they will in turn respect you. Therefore, the master knows herself is not arrogant. She loves herself, but also loves others. This is how she is able to make appropriate choices. And the fourth and final translation, When you show no fear at all, the universe gives you something to really be afraid of. Don't try to fence people in or grind them down. Just let them be, and they'll always be on your side. The masters know themselves, but they don't reveal themselves. They love themselves, but they know what their lives are worth. They let go of all that to concentrate on this. Hmm. Comments? I guess there was something about just let people be and don't try and grind them down. And I would just, that reminded me of the serenity prayer about trying to control only the things you can control. That gives me a lot of grief, I guess, getting annoyed with people, family members, mom. Hey, Lala, have you found over the, your time in recovery that, that seesaw, the things you control versus the things you can have, it's totally shifted in the other direction. Yeah, I see it starting. I see it starting, and I see when I'm doing it. I'm like, I'm trying to control her while she's trying to control me. I mean, it's like, I mean, the irony is not lost, but recognizing that, you know, has taken the annoyance level down, um, you know, accepting people for where they're at, not trying to change them, even if I don't agree with it. So, yeah, that really, that really speaks to me. Thanks, Lala. Any other comments? That first part of the translation there, uh, when people become overly bold, then disaster will soon arrive. In the Jonathan Star, when the people lack the fear of God, then a greater force will come. So when we lack respect, when we lack I think that's what that word all is trying to put and not necessarily, I, I don't think necessarily respect for God, but respect for people, respect for the situation, 
that we don't bulldoze things, you know, and think that we're God, you know, that it's all about us kind of thing. Like the the ego. It's like when you're all ego and not having, you know, any respect for everything that is, um, that everything becomes a fear because everything's a threat to that ego. You know, ego is always an issue for me. Because if I'm not careful, I will make everything about me thinking that the whole world revolves around me. That used to be a real issue. I've, I'm learning to get past that, but I still have to look out for it. Uh, but I think that's pretty much what that's talking Or For me, that's how I see it. Anyone else with a comment? The last part of that, uh, Stephen Mitchell, at the very end of the second translation where he says he teaches without teach a teaching so that people will have nothing to learn his comment on that talks about they'll have nothing to unlearn he gets kind of zenny i'm disappointed in my zen class because it's a religion and i don't want religion they're saying we don't believe this and we believe i said fuck that i don't want to know what you believe i want to know what's working for you you know aa has spoiled me on that Because I go into AA and there's no religion, you know, it's about what's working for you. And when I go into other things, they're all, you know, so I'm I'm having to process that. I mean, it's good and I'm enjoying it. I'm having to do the take what works thing. Yeah, I agree. When I sometimes, I I haven't been going to the Buddhist temple a lot lately, but, you know, as much as they're like, oh, you know, they make the joke of, uh, we're not covered by acts of God in our insurance because we don't believe in a God. <laughs> like that's the joke when a branch fell on the building and it's like, you know, they say they don't believe in it and they don't believe in anything, but it's a little anti, I don't know. It's I, sometimes I leave there more, you know, and I know the confusion is the human condition, but I leave there kind of more confused and it kind of is a religion. They just are saying it's not. Well, we all want to believe in something, even if it's believing in nothing. <laughs> Nihilist. <laughs> yeah, you know. How religion started, we, we, you know, people needed something to answer the questions, the things that were going on around them. There was, there, there's no explanation. So there's got to be something else out there doing things, like nature. Nature yeah. doesn't, has its own thought process. Yeah. But don't you, don't you think that is, uh, something that's in all of us, this need to find why we're here or some explanation that makes sense to us. I mean, that's, that seems to be everyone has that same push. Unfortunately, not everybody really knows that they need to do that. You know, people, most people remain ignorant and like it for their whole lives about who they are and why they're here. Well, but everybody has a need to understand God, though. I guess that's where I was going. Some kind of a a belief that works for them. You know, either even if it's no belief, it'd be a lot harder for me not to believe in God than for me to believe in God. You know, I mean, that kind of a thing. So I didn't mean to go there today, but. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But isn't it great that when I got into recovery, the thing that was different was. Everyone told me I didn't have to believe anything. And I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, so how does this work? So you just go help somebody. And you just be open to to do the next right thing. 
instead of the next wrong thing. And I'm like, it can't be that simple. I got to read 10 books and study for five years and pray and <laughs> fast for a week. and Therapy. Um, therapy, yes. And inconvenient places where I got to drive in traffic and pay to park and all these things I don't want to do. <laughs> it's got to be work. You know, I've got to feel I earned it. I, I hear you. But it's not. It's the opposite. We don't have to suffer. It's surrender. Yeah. It's surrender. It's letting go. Like a conversation I've had recently with some folks about letting go of fear and different things that are really holding us back, you know? It's just surrender. It's the same way that, well, for me, the one thing I can say that I found in recovery was that I had to surrender to get over my alcohol addiction. That was the one thing I had to learn how to do. And that's what the, the step showed me was how to surrender. Um, and now I got to learn now, if I want that same uh, peace and that same ease in the rest of my life, I have to learn to surrender in the rest of my life. And I think one of the first parts of that is having a respect mm-hmm. for everything. Yeah. I am in agreement with that, having respect for everything. And that we're all connected and that when I love you, I'm really loving me. When I do for you, I'm really doing for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's huge to learn. Uh, Another phrase there from the buddy translation of the Jonathan Starr Tao Te Ching book. Just write a book yourself already. No, no. Well, anyone can have a translation. They just go back and make it up out of the words, you know. Yeah, that's true. Do not withhold your humanity from others. That's that next phrase. That's the way one of the translators put it. Do not withhold your humanity. One of the lines I liked in the translations about um, when people lack trust, they, I'm not sure of it, but they, when people lack trust in the humanity, that's when they follow a dictator. That's how I, I transcribed it in my head. Yeah. So learning how to, how to trust. The, the last part of that, a, a possible translation of would be, he does not exalt himself, talking about the sage at the very last phrase. He does not exalt himself. He lets go of his own view and chooses the inner view, the inner what's inside, or let's right. go of what is without, what is outside of him, and chooses what's within him. Wow, that's powerful. He chooses what's within, right? Is that not what we're learning about everything? Is that we look inside the kingdom of God's within us already? Isn't that where God is? If you yeah, choose? it's already there. It's just covered up by our guilt and our shame, our fear. Our fear really is covering that up, and we can't see that light that's there already shining. We just got to get all the shit out of the way, you know. Uh, Jonathan Starr himself said that when the people do not fear worldly power, a greater power will arrive. Don't limit the view of yourself. Don't despise the conditions of your birth. And don't resist the natural course of your life. In this way, you will never weary of this world. And that's what Wayne Dyer talks about. 
um, as an aside, I had a girlfriend for a short amount of time who hated the fact that her parents before she was born were very, very wealthy. And then she was born and they lost all their wealth and she just could not get over that. You know, this is a 40 year old, 50 year old woman. It's like my parents used to be rich they weren't. And I, I just can't get over it. And her life was really miserable. She was a friend for a short amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of think like I used to be, child abandonment my parents being workaholics for so long to fuel my alcoholism like I was left alone too much and you know the anger towards it and all that and I think part of the surrendering is um this is the life condition that happened you know stop trying to I guess I mean that's the thing I'm to let go of versus it's kind of like we don't need to to know the explanation behind it or that kind of thing it's like this happened now, you know, that's not just recognizing the problem is just the first half. Fixing it's the second half. And I've recognized it for years, but it's like you, know, you have to let it go at some point or else you're just going to, it's just going to fuel negative self-talk, negative, you know, fuel negative behaviors. And that's why she was such an angry woman. Yeah. You know, not learning to live in the moment. You know, so little of our life is lived in the moment that we're in. We're always in yesterday or tomorrow and that's where our fear is at our fear is is in that what happened yesterday lala like you're talking about and marla or what might happen in the future that's where our fear is our love's in the moment we can't love people in yesterday and tomorrow we can only love people now so the more moments we learn to live in then the more we can walk in love and that's where that's where God is. That's where this peace and joy is that we're looking for, in my thinking. So learning I mean, to live in the moment's the key. It is. And I mean, you know, on a side note to that, all that past stuff, that that's who we are today. And I mean, there's so many good things that came out of it. I became fiercely independent, you know, and all these things, you know, and if I'd been coddled and, you know, looked on too much, I would be a total, you know, scared to go out in the world by myself kind of thing. So it's like, you know, all the all the things we look at as negative, just like in Buddhism, it is just what it is versus something bad or something good. You know, I always go back to Buddy, your horse story about the, you know, the horses. So it's like, this is what happened. This is what made me who it is, who I am now. And, you know, deal with this today, present, now and stuff. Yeah, living in the past. And it's like in the Tao, you just accept and go with the flow of nature and you accept yeah. what happened and Go, get out, get, get through it and get, get, get over it. <laughs> you know, I hate saying that because that's what my parents said to me all the time. No, get over it. No, I know. I know. I met when my mom was excuse was forever. Like she's very defensive about it. Never, you know, and I was told before that, you know, even if you, they apologize for what you're upset about, it doesn't fix it because it's the inner child that's still unhealed. You know, as an adult, I understand it. I understand all these things, but the get over it. Yeah. That was, you know, so it's more just like get, get through it. Don't go around it. Get through it. I never ever said those words to my daughter. Get over it. Ever. You know, this idea that the negative, what we perceive as the negative things in our past were really made for me, made into good things. Because like you're talking about Lala, I remember when I was in the third grade, my mother asleep, 
and me getting up, cooking me an egg on the stove, getting ready, setting my alarm clock. I'm in the third grade. I'm eight years old. I get up. I get ready. I brush my teeth. I fix my breakfast. I cook an egg on the stove for breakfast even, right? All that stuff. And I remember burning my bangs on the gas. I remember lighting it and burning. I remember my bangs burning. You, know? you had hair? And, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't in the fourth grade yet, Marla. This is a third grade. <laughs> and then uh, waking my mother up as I was leaving and telling her I was leaving for school when I'm eight years old, right? So a long time I resented her for that. And then, uh, then I said, you know, wait a minute. That kind of thing taught me to be who I am now. So can I thank her for that? Can I flip that around to gratitude? Yeah. And that's when you, well, that's when you get free is when you take those things you think are negative that other people can, you know, you can be the victim and other people can say, Oh, that's awful. That's awful. That's awful. You know, but can I be grateful for those things in my life? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's when you get free. It's when you can find gratitude in the in what in the perceived negatives. Yeah, and that is where I do like that Buddhist thing. There is no positive and edge. It's it, it that term. It is what it is. You know, there's good things that came of it and bad things that came of it, and and even with the bad things, you know, if it led to my alcoholism, you know, it's that whole grateful recovering alcoholic. It you know, forced me in the position to have to be, to, to want to grow and have more spiritual growth rather than you know, living in the kind of stuck. Every step is on the path, right? Whether we like the path or not, it's still on the path. <laughs> the, path. the path chooses us. <laughs> right. The path chooses us. We did not choose the circumstances of our birth. No. Yeah. You know, I've hiked a lot of trails that I was not happy with, but it was still the trail I was hiking, you know. Well, this, you know, get around the corner thinking you're at the top of the mountain, you know, you're trudging along and you get around the corner and all of a sudden you've got another hike. It looks like you're at the top, you know. Anyone that's hiked a lot knows this, you know. And you get around the corner. I did a stretch of the AT one time and get her several times. And you get around the corner and you're like, oh, my God, there's another mountain after this, you know. And then you get up that one and then you've got another. Or what was worse than that was I remember hiking a day that I hiked downhill the entire day. The entire day was downhill. (laughs) And my legs hurt so, and I was young then, hurt so bad from hiking downhill all day. At first I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to have an easy day. It was horrible. No, it's just the straight ones. Yes, I want the ridge walking, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, we can always choose these paths we're on, you know. But they are the path. Yeah. Y'all ready for Wayne Dyer? Any comments before we move to Wayne Dyer? Good conversation this morning. Thank you, guys. Buddy, you can go ahead. Oh, you want me to read this? Yeah, I'm still nursing my illness. Okay. I'll read the verse. When people lack a sense of awe, they will be disa- there will be disaster. When people do not fear worldly power, a great power will arrive. Do not limit the view of yourself. Do not despise the conditions of your birth. <laughs> See, that's it. Do not resist the natural course of your life. In this way, you will never weary of this world. Therefore, 
The sage knows himself, but makes no show of himself. Loves himself, but does not exalt himself. He prefers what is within to what is without. (laughs) One thing that we really didn't talk in detail, we talked about not limiting our view of ourselves. Right. We talked about not despising the conditions of our birth. We didn't talk a lot about not resisting the natural course of our life. That's where I'm at at the moment is not resisting the natural course of my life. Like my friend Claire B says, go where you're being pushed. That sounds so simple, but it is so difficult because I don't like to be told what to do by anybody, including my higher power. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. I want to do my, do it myself. So when someone, when I'm being pushed in a direction, my automatic response is stop. Is it, I'm sure we all have that. Is that uh, that's common? I'm wondering, always wondering, what is the natural course of my life? Am I just to sit back and let let what I'm doing unfold and happen and see what happens? Or, you know, like, do I market? Do I push myself? Do I cook more? I don't. I don't know what makes okay. that all happen and work well let's talk about a few questions to try to identify that for me one question is what is it that i enjoy what is it that i enjoy combined with what is it that brings me peace where do i feel the most connected during my day maybe maybe do a review of your day for a few days until you start getting an idea of what those things are. And I think that that's clouded a lot of times by what we're told we need to be doing or what our fears are telling us to do or those things, you know, like with our higher power, what is it that connects me with my God? Uh, For Paul, it's walking. So uh, he's taking his walk. So, you know, Paul needs to take his walks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Paul doesn't need to sit at home on the couch and watching Perry Mason and wonder why he's not feeling God, you know. <laughs> it's a little tough in the winter now, but <clears throat> yeah, I, I need I need to get out. It's starting to warm up a little bit, so I need to get out more. But I and I know that. You know, I feel that I feel that pull. I feel that push. Yeah, yeah. Is that not right though, Paul? I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, if the if the weather barring weather, okay. If if you need to, you know, if, if you got on and said, oh, I'm just not feeling God, I'm feeling down. Well, if you're taking your walk, no, I haven't gone walking. Well, okay. We know that's where you connect, so let's yeah. do it, you know, that kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah, and I always feel better every time. Yeah. Uh, it, it works every single time. So. Yeah. It's funny. That's the kind of things, like we were talking, someone was, uh, we had this happen a lot in recovery. Someone's struggling. And let's say they're a meeting maker. They go to meetings and they, uh, they, they'll call up and say, Oh, I'm just not doing well. I said, well, when'd you last go to a meeting? Well, it's been a few weeks. I have, I'm like, why don't you just go to a meeting? Well, I've been, you know, but I feel awful. I I said, wait a minute. (laughs) This is not making sense to me, you know? Uh, so how is it that we connect whatever that is? Uh, let's make sure and do those things that we connect with. 
you know, Tina. Oh, I thought you had something. I'm sorry. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's meditating and doing my, I read transitions daily and I meditate and that's mine. And I have to do that every day. Even if it's later in the day, let's say I sleep late and get up and do something like this early and I haven't meditated yet, had a time of meditation. I'll have, I'll do that later in the day, but I have, and if I get to the end of the day and I haven't meditated, I don't feel as connected. So, you know, that's the kind of thing for me that I have to do. I, yeah, have I, feel, to. I, I feel that way with my gratitude. That's not dependent on the weather. I can do that every single day, no matter what. And if I, if I, I don't ever really forget to do it, but if I don't do it, if I don't spend enough time on it by the end of the day, I, if I feel out of sorts, I go back to it. So, so the first thing I would suggest, Marla, is make sure I'm doing the things that connect me to my higher power, whatever those things are for you. Then once you've got this higher power connection going, maybe you could say like for your vocation, what is it that I enjoy doing as a vocation? Is there anything? <laughs> All right. For you, I know you love yoga and you love teaching. That's something God put in you was to teach yoga. So learning how to surrender that to your higher power, like you're surrendering your drugs and alcohol, maybe uh, taking the steps and substituting uh, where alcohol is in the steps, substitute that with yoga or a way to make a living or something of that nature and see how the steps read for you with, with you doing a substitution for alcohol. For me, that's what I did with real estate years ago because I was in the real estate business <laughs> that I'm powerless over my real estate business and it's unmanageable by me. You know, I had to take that approach to my, to my real estate business. So, you know, and I just went through the steps with it and that helped show me how to, how to be powerless in my business, you know? And, and I started gravitating to the parts of the business I enjoyed. And I said, well, I'll do more of that. And the parts I don't like, that when I can find someone to do those parts for me, I'll find someone. I'll keep doing them as long as I have to. And there were, there were some big things I was doing that I sold parts of. So one big part. And, um, and it freed me up so much. I realized I was spending 80% of my time on what wasn't making me money and 20% of what was. And now I got rid of the 80. So all I had was a 20%. So I worked a day a week or so. And the rest of my time I could do recovery stuff. And it happened because I started looking at what was pulling me, you know, and I know we don't all have that luxury to do that kind of a thing, but if we can go in the directions that we're being pulled and not resist just how naturally our life is unfolding, we all have a way our life's unfolding. And if we can learn not to resist, I guess the big thing is just being conscious of that, being awake to it, and then start just noticing uh, what our course is in life and just not resisting. That comes in small bits, you know. And I, I like, you know, I kind of got excited about the idea of um, being with or just finding what I love and where I'm at peace, which is teaching yoga and practicing. And it made me happy when you said that, because things will, I think, 
unfold for me if I just embrace that part of it is this is what I love to do. This is where I feel most peaceful and happy and it will come. It will then come to me because it's, I think other people will notice if I'm teaching them, they'll notice and there'll be, there'll be referrals, but who cares about that? Just, you know, Marla, that'll happen when you finally don't care whether you get referrals or not. Yeah, I know. I, I, That's I, letting go. Letting go is it's okay if it is. It's okay if it isn't. <laughs> and that's a hard place to get to. Well, I'm not that motivated, as you know, to um, earn shitloads of money. Yoga teachers don't. Earn, it's not a high-earning field. But I'm, I'm content with – I'm actually fearful of getting referrals. So um, it's – that also that is fear of, fail, fear of success. Mm-hmm. But um, it seems like it would un- things would unfold if I could just let just be happy with what I'm doing and not fight with myself. It's one of my other favorite things to do is just read fiction, and I love it. And that's what makes me happy and peaceful. And but I can't, you know, I can't spend 24 hours a day doing that. Obviously, you know that's the that's the hard. You know, there's a balance with those things. But learning how to not resist the gifts that we've been given, you know, because we take these gifts and a lot of times you remember that you remember giving a a child a really nice gift and then they spend all their time playing with the box. They don't even pay attention to the gift, (laughs) especially when they're real little, you know, and you're like, wait a minute, I got them this great gift and all they're doing is playing with the box. And sometimes, you know, we miss the gifts, I think, that we're given. And we do the same thing, you know, in a spiritual sense. We play with the box, you know. We're worried about how great it is or how, you know, why isn't there more? Or why is there this? Or why is there? And we, we miss the actual gift itself, you know. And um, that's, that's tough to, that's tough. So just, just start noticing it, Marla, and see where it goes. You know, stop resisting. And then let's let go of it. You know, let go of it. If it, if my class grows, it's great. If it doesn't, it's great. That's how I have to do the numbers on this podcast, too. Because I'll look at the numbers. I used to look at them pretty often and I know. always keep up with how much they're doing and all of that. And we've settled out at about 70 to 90 downloads a day. And I'm like, you know, okay. Because if I was getting, if we were getting 150 downloads, I'd say, well, why aren't we getting 200? Why aren't we getting 300? Why aren't we getting 500? What do we need to, you know, that whole thing. And so, you know, just kind of surrender that. And it's whatever it is, is good. And just leave it at that. Much easier said than done. <laughs> uh, comments before we go on? Okay, I will share again. Living with all and acceptance. This verse of the Tao Te Ching, let me, this verse of the Tao Te Ching alerts you to two components that work together for a harmonious life, a sense of awe and total acceptance. Without these two combined forces, you're unlikely to see the presence of the Tao. Hmm. Sense of awe and total acceptance. That's what we've been talking about. Um, I want to 
let's move on over. My my favorite paragraph you just float, flooded through. I'm sorry. Which one do you want? The, uh, this morning I sit here in my sacred space on Maui feeling an urgency that actually feels blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. Feeling an urgency that actually feels like the rapture in St. John of the yeah. cross's words. I sense the presence of Lao Tzu urging me to hurry up so that he may convey to you what he means by having a sense of awe. It is so profound as to usher into your life a timeless awareness of the arrival of a greater power. I feel that power right now in my beautiful surroundings. The sound of uh, mina birds, mina birds, mina birds fill the air as the ocean rolls in (laughs) undulating waves, much like the heartbeat of our earth. The colors are absolutely breathtaking. The bright blue sky, the shimmering green palm trees, seagrass, the ficus plants, the dreamy oranges and purples mixing in the distant clouds, and topping it all off, a rainbow that appears to be connecting the nearby (laughs) island of Lanao with my front window. What do you want, Dyer? (laughs) yeah i could be happy in maui right no nah. yeah. i'd still be there that's the problem right <laughs> um let me skip down to here the reason it's crucial to have a sense of awe is because it helps loosen the ego's hold on your thinking. You can then know that there's something great and enduring that animates all of existence. Being in awe of that something staves off disasters because you have no fear of worldly conditions. You're kept grounded in the otherworldly power that manifests a trillion miracles a second, all of which are oblivious to your ego. The 72nd second verse of the Tao Te Ching also asks you to accept yourself and your individual concerns with three very emphatic suggestions. Lao Tzu tells you to avoid self-limits, <laughs> accept your body as a perfect creation, and allow your life to unfold in accordance with, your own, with its own nature. No. So... Self-limits for me would be my fears, letting go of my fears, except my body is a very difficult thing for me. I did a meditation on this, and I've been using it pretty often about loving my body because I never put, I, I never looked at my body as being separate from myself, and I never took um, I, I never learned how to to show my body love and compassion. Try some time when you're meditating just to do a body scan and just send your body love. Appreciation to your heart for pumping all these years or your knees or uh, ankles for holding you up. And for all the, for me, it was all the running I have done that has, you know, where I have tormented my legs, you know, that hey, kind buddy, of thing. My, my favorite was love the love handles. Yes. That <laughs> one, yeah. I took that one to heart. 
<laughs> but you know, Paul, accepting ourselves the way we are, you know, accepting us the way we are. Um, when I first started doing that, and I've mentioned this before, but it was amazing. The very first, it was either the first day or the second day that I did that. It was the afternoon and I'd been working in the office and I was wanting something to snack on. I went upstairs and got some carrots out and ate carrots for a snack. And I've never done that. I craved carrots instead of pork skins, <laughs> pork skins and a Mountain Dew, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, with, um, I've, I've never been able to separate my body from myself and it's such a great exercise of course, culturally speaking, we are told through ads and uh, makeup companies that we're flawed. We need to cover our flaws and, uh, you know, get her, you know, pump up our butts or reduce our butts or pick up, you know, our perky boot, whatever. We're, to- we're told from day one that we're flawed. So it's very hard to separate and you know, I know so many of us women have such body issues. I know men too have body issues. My husband, especially, but so that makes it really hard. Intellectually, I think the human body is the most amazing thing, the way it works and how it stays in the stasis. But God, we know when I look at it, it's like, that's not, you know, it's not a perfect, and what is perfect? I've been told I'm imperfect. So that's been a really, a, a constant battle and which causes eating disorders and things like that. But you know, if we can learn to show gratitude for our body, just like with anything else in our life, what I do, you know, I had someone, I started recording these meditations and I had someone say, you know, 99% of it I like, but this I don't like. <laughs> I totally ignored the 99% they liked and the 1% they didn't like was exactly where I went. Of course. First, right? So with everything's the same way for me though. If I learn that when everybody somebody has a little bit they don't like, that's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in the rest. So if I can learn to show gratitude in a situation, that helps me to see the ninety nine percent, not not focus on the one percent. Right. <laughs> no, Same with my body. Same with no, everything. I, yeah, I have to work on that with my job. I just got a book off to the printer yesterday, and I, I keep looking for that one little typo that I know is there somewhere, you know. <laughs> but, you know, not appreciating the 99.9% of it that looks great, but focusing on that. Because I know somebody's going to, a customer's going to come back and call us and say, you spelled that guy's name wrong. <laughs> and how could you do that? Well, I'm human, sorry. <laughs> Better be inhuman. That's a perfectionism, though. I can't believe you're not perfect. Come on, I know, I know. It's 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 hard being a perfectionist. (laughs) But isn't that true though? We focus on the the one percent instead of the ninety nine. Absolutely. I'm going to finish our reading right quick. Um, If there's if there's something else we want to hit in here, Marla, you have anything particular? No, that was no. I just got to rise out of the paragraph where he's sitting looking outside in the beautiful. I like this part here. um, uh, In order to do so, like in order to do this, 
uh, we must accept ourselves as being part of the 10,000 things, and we must love that same burgeoning, imperceptible inner nature that will bear fruit. As Lao Tzu concludes this verse, he prefers what is within to what is without. Love yourself, make no show of yourself, and quietly remain in awe and acceptance. So I thought that was, I thought that was really good. Um, focus on loving the life you have now in the body you've got. Here's an affirmation that we can use for this. Tell yourself that you love everything about the physical shell you've incarnated into. Notice it didn't say love everything about you. Love anything, everything about your physical shell, about the body you've been given. That body's not you. Affirm, my body is perfect, born at precisely the right time, and this is the perfect age now. I accept myself as I am. I accept my role in the perfection of this universe at this time. I surrender to the natural course of my body's destiny. See your body through the eyes of totally accepting thoughts. And as Lao Tzu says, in this way, you will never weary of this world. Comments? No, powerful session again today. Tina, you have anything? You dropped your wisdom bomb at the last minute, so I want to make sure and get you. Nothing today? I'm just soaking it all in today and, uh, and appreciating all the good stuff being said. It's good, isn't it? It's good when the, when, when uh, God, the Tao, whatever it is, shows up is always good. So I think when we get dry, we maybe become more intelligent. We unlearn, right, Marla? We just, when we leave room, see this, when we leave room for God to show up, because what happens if we're full of ourselves, think we've got this figured out, there's not room for any help. And it's that way in everything. This is a lesson for life, is that when we think we have things figured out, we're on our own. (laughs) So we have to leave room for God, my thinking. So it's a good example of that. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great week. Oops, sorry. Yes. Sorry. Um, one thing I now I remember what I wanted to say real real quick about oh, good. about um, letting go. You know, that's the big that's the big thing. Letting go. How do you let go? How do you let go when you guys were talking about when buddy buddy when you were talking about being younger and waking yourself up and getting your breakfast ready? I did the same thing. And in this workshop I did about healing the inner child, um, they brought up what um, Tony Robbins had said about blaming somebody for the for our, our childhood and he let this guy go on and on and he said if you're going to blame your father or the parent for all these things you need to blame him for the good stuff too and that's what that helped me let go of my resentment because it's easy to say just let go but it's another thing to say well how do I let go of something like that and that helped me look at it in a different way of saying I, you know, that's going to, that's the bad. It's also the good because it's shaped who I am. That's a lot about gratitude as well. And what's really nice in practicing gratitude is now my mind is starting to go there, like Paul, instead of, oh, poor me, you know, there's 300 feet of snow out there. Poor me, poor me. Um, You know, it's beautiful. The sun's shining. It's actually really pretty. So fuck it. I'll just enjoy it. <laughs> Might as well, Marla. 
<laughs> I, I can't fly out of here. You know? <laughs> Be grateful that you're inside looking out, not the other way around. Well, I got dogs I got to take care of. My parents' dog. And the reason I'm mad is because my parents are in sunny Mexico right now. And I've got their fucking dog that I have to walk. So, fuck it. Well, you can do a walk meditation, Marla. While you walk, you can meditate. <laughs> you can move to Hawaii with Wayne Dyer. Yeah, no, no, not, not where he is. He's dead, Paul. He's dead. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't mean it literally, buddy. <laughs> I hope not. We need Marlo on the podcast. <laughs> I still be connected to the Wi-Fi. <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else? Y'all have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.